What do you imagine when you think about university? Maybe it's sleepless nights in the library or the journey to your dream job. Maybe it was, or will be, your first time out of home or something you thought you'd never do. No matter your experience or expectations, there is one thing we all share. I'm Lizzie Jack and this is We Are UOW, a podcast by the University of Wollongong, where we explore the lifelong connections made on the UOW campus, from friends to mentors to marriages. Episode 10, Trish and John. Hello, I'm Trish Davidson. I'm the Vice-Chancellor of the University of Wollongong. Hi, I'm John Daly. I'm currently a professor in the School of Nursing at the University of Wollongong. Professor Patricia Trish Davidson and Professor John Daly have been friends for over four decades. The pair have been by each other's side since they first met as trainee nurses in 1970s Wollongong. Over 45 years, they've stuck together through studying, nursing, teaching and globetrotting professional and academic careers. Trish grew up in Canberra and after finishing high school in the 70s, she was keen to keep learning. So she headed straight to ANU. I had been to ANU um, straight out of school and I dropped out largely because my life was in turmoil, because my mother had died. And like many young people, you know, that it's a challenging time. But I pretty much felt, you know, there were lots of things that really I loved about being at ANU. I was doing political science and history and journalism and some law subjects. And I found that really intellectually stimulating. So Compared to ANU, I found Wollongong so friendly and so welcoming and so nice. And we had phenomenal teachers. Keen to get out of Canberra, Trish found herself needing a sea change. In January 1977, she landed at Wollongong Hospital to start training to become a nurse. On her first day there, she met John Daly. I can't actually remember a whole lot about the first time, but I always remember him being very funny, very mischievous, very humorous. And I think there were two men in our class. Um, And so there was a whole group of us that sort of really got together and had fun in, in, you know, what was a different time in nursing. In those days, if you weren't married, you had to live in the nurse's home. Can you believe that? John was not allowed to live in the nurse's home because uh, there was no men. But, you know, one of the things that we, in our joking and, you know, chiding of each other, I think very soon, probably in the second or third week, we all named John Matron Daly. John was one of five children who had grown up in Dublin before moving to Australia in 1968. And I lived in on the Margaret Hostel at Ferry Meadow, which is now the innovation campus for the University of Wollongong. I had a lot of sickness as a child. I had polio in the first year of life, so I spent a lot of time in hospital as a, as a small child in Ireland and had subsequent surgery when we came to Wollongong. So I 
identified really strongly with the nurses that were looking after me, I think. Uh, and I just thought they were amazing. Um, and so I was pretty clear by the time I was about 14 or 15 that I, that I was going to do nursing and, and nobody was going to stop me. Well, some men had gone through before me. And so, you know, when I went into the course as a first year student, there were some men in, who were second year and third year students, but not very many in general nursing. There were, we had separate registers then. There were lots of men in psychiatric nursing. I had decided early that I wanted to do nursing or social work. Um, my father wasn't too thrilled about me doing general nursing, but that's what I wanted to do. The matron at the Wollongong Hospital at the time, Betty Jeffrey, if you were male, then you had to go to a special interview with your mother and father too, preferably. But I remember my mum came along with me and she talked about how difficult it is for men in nursing and do her best to put you off. But no, I, I took to it like a, like a fish to water. Despite everything, John got into the nursing program. He was one of only two men in his class, and on his first day there, he met Trish Davidson. In hospital training in the 70s was no easy feat. We were very young. There was a lot of energy, and it was a very traditional training school. <laughs> the standards were very high, and, um, you know, the attrition rate was very high. Uh, so I think only about just over a third of our group actually finished that made it through the three years. So the, this, the um, course was quite rigorous and we had to work shift work as student nurses. And by the end of the year, Trish, I recall Trish saying to me, this isn't stretching us enough intellectually. We have to take ourselves to university next year and start doing a BA in education and psychology. And I thought, which planet is this lady from? I didn't even know where the campus of the university was. And I may never have gone to university if I hadn't met her. So off we went to Wollongong Uni in 1978 as second-year student nurses, which was unheard of at the time. Being at university and in Wollongong was totally different in 1978. The university had just gained independence from UNSW and uni fees had been abolished some years prior. It was a time of huge social change and Trish and John were both helped pushing the boundaries as a woman at university, a man in nursing and juggling training with higher education. It was definitely an era about challenging gender norms, challenging stereotypes. And at that time, you know, I went to get a bank loan to buy a house and I couldn't as a single woman. And you think that's not that long ago. There was a lot of social change happening. The first Mardi Gras was in 1978. There were lots of um, movements that were active to improve human rights for various groups. You know, the influence of radical thinkers who were more vocal then than I think are now. And uh, people wanted to get into debates about the direction in which we wanted society to go for, for the better. The women's movement was very active. 
and and before that, of course, the peace movement. So there were some really amazing characters around Wollongong at the time that were that were well known. People like Gina Behrens and Hans Post and and others that were very that gave up a lot of their time and energy to achieve things for society that would make a, a better place to be. There was an energy and a dynamism and a willingness to get involved in those debates and to get involved in community work and to, to situation improve. We had, you know, very good times but hard times. Uh, you know, nursing is not an easy career at the best of times. But in those days, you are, were really um, had to step up really quickly. You took on huge responsibilities. And as John said, we were young. And I can still, to this day, see the eyes of the man who's had a cardiac arrest, my first death in front of me. And as a young person, you know, those events were very challenging, but also there was an amazing uh, team spirit and camaraderie, and we all kind of looked after each other. But as John said, it wasn't for the faint-hearted. I think some of our teachers of the time saw it as part of their role to be able to cull people so that, you know, the very, the very tenacious survived very different to times now. And that's when many people, particularly as a nurse academic, many people say, well, let's go back to hospitals. And I say, don't talk about the good old days because I was there and not all of it was good. So I think we have a much more nurturing uh, environment for our new nursing students. The pair worked around the clock, juggling their uni with their full-time shift work at the hospital. Meanwhile, they each face their own individual challenges. Do you recall Trish going off night duty and then dropping essays in over here? So it was a, it was, there was a lot of energy. It was a dynamic time. And, and the university certainly was amazing for, for me anyway. It was quite an, an eye-opener. I think really it's probably not unreasonable to say there was a kind of a stigma attached to men in nursing Men, you know, the the stereotypes weren't terribly flattering. Yeah, people who tried to talk me out of it, including some registered nurses, you know, they said you'll be you'll become a non-entity, you know, as a man in nursing, and won't be taken seriously. And you know, there are other careers that you could aspire to where you would kind of fulfil your potential. But I never found any, I ne- I never found any serious barriers, um, and. Uh, in those days, when we finished the course and we passed the registration exam, you had to be asked back, and probably only about three or four uh, of us were asked back onto the staff, and I was one of them. John didn't let those opinions discourage him. He had a knack for nursing and leadership. It's why Trish and their friends nicknamed him the Matron Daily. He had a vision of becoming a midwife, only to fall into teaching almost accidentally. I was very good clinically, and by the time I got to third year, I was... I never thought about any issues to do with, you know, other barriers because I'm a male. I just 
got in there and did what I thought I needed to do, to do well and to be a good student nurse. I got promoted quite quickly after I finished. My first teaching job, I was 23. It was at Sydney Hospital. I went there to do the intensive care course and then the government tried to close Sydney Hospital so the courses were decommissioned. So I'd been working in intensive care for three months and I thought, right, I'd only come to Sydney to get another certificate and then to go back to Wollongong. So I went off to the Royal Hospital at, for Women at Paddington and got into the midwifery program. Then I went back and told the nursing supervisor in intensive care, I'm going to leave in two weeks. I can't do the intensive care course here. I'm going to be a midwife. And she kind of looked at me startled and said, oh, no, you can't do that. And she took off to talk to the matron. And the following Monday, that was a Thursday or a Friday, the following Monday I was in front of the scariest head of the School of Nursing at Sydney Hospital. And they gave me a job as a clinical instructor. And that's how I went into to teaching. One of the things about nursing of our era was that really you were soon a teacher because it was your job to teach the next people beyond you. So it's not like for many students now, it's a big stretch to go into teaching. In our era, it was all about teaching the next generation. And I really found many of those teachers of that time to be quite inspirational, just not by their intellect, but also their kindness. And then I worked out that, you know, you can be student-centred, you can be flexible, you can be creative. And I think that's something about the size of Wollongong at that time. John taught nurses in Sydney for a year and Trish soon followed, also doing the same intensive care course to train the next generation of nurses coming through the hospitals. John says he got homesick for North Wollongong Beach, so he found himself back at Wollongong Hospital in intensive care before he and Trish both started teaching at the Illawarra School of Nursing right next to the UOW campus. Trish, you mentioned before that some people want to go back to the in-hospital training for nurses, but you were really pushing for universities to adopt nursing early on. We were both pioneers. Gosh, I feel really old saying that word pioneer, but, you know, we were both pioneers in leading nursing into the universities. In fact, when I was at Wollongong Hospital, I was a student representative on the Illawarra School of Nursing Setup Committee and then ended up being a foundation faculty member here. So I think we both have created, through our work with our colleagues, uh, a vision for a better world that is, you know, driven by nursing. In fact, there was a lot of advocacy. And then miraculously, I think it might have been in 1984, it was announced that just like a switch, nursing was going from hospital-based diploma to the university. So, you know, I think as a profession, it's still taken a period of time to kind of get acceptance within the academy. That's probably the bigger thing. And then what now, can I tell you, particularly coming from Johns Hopkins in the U.S., it's actually harder to get into many nursing programs than many other healthcare professions. So what we do know 
in spite of, you know, there's many sort of armchair commentators about, you know, take nursing back to the hospital. But what we know from some really rigorous research, and in fact just a study published in The Lancet not so long ago, that if nurses are more educated, patient outcomes are better. So I'm a huge advocate for nursing as a profession. And if we look ahead to the future, what are the challenging issues for our society? You know, ageing, mental health. But the other thing that I am increasingly thinking about nursing is it's a fabulous foundation degree for life. And many people say, oh, what a waste. They did nursing and now they're doing something else. But no one ever says that if you do law and then you do something else or go into politics. And in fact, there was a very good article in Forbes from the president of Pace University in in the United States saying all the attributes we try and teach in business school, ethics, empathy, emotional intelligence, and in essence, they're kind of core attributes of nursing. And that's why, you know, consistently nurses are voted the most trusted profession. So as you can hear, we're both very proud nurses. It's such a privilege to have that relationship with people at times of vulnerability, and it's kind of hard to explain. But I think nursing is like some of the very unsung heroes. You think about the phenomenal education program we have here and the teachers and we know where each of us are kind of dependent on teachers who see our potential and ability. So I'm a fervent believer of the, of the importance of nursing in the academy. And that's one of my key focus here at the University of Wollongong is to make sure that our nursing school keeps going from good to great. Trish and John's passion for nursing, advocacy and education and their natural leadership has led them both through individually illustrious careers. In 2020, John was appointed Head of Nursing at the University of Sydney after leadership roles at UTS and Western Sydney University. He was also titled Emeritus Professor at both unis and has worked in collaboration with the World Health Organisation. He must have still felt that homesickness for North Wollongong Beach, though. In 2021, he was appointed Head of School and Dean of Nursing at the University of Wollongong. Also in 2021, Trish returned to Australia from her stint in the US as Dean of Nursing at Johns Hopkins University to become the Vice-Chancellor of UOW. Not only is she the first UOW graduate, but also the first woman in the role of Vice-Chancellor. How has your time at UOW and your nursing career translated into this new role? When I got interviewed for the Vice-Chancellor's job, I actually said this, because one of, um, they said, you know, what would someone say about you that you appreciated? So I'm at Johns Hopkins and, you know, it's always very challenging being a nurse. Um, It's a highly feminised and... Not everybody thinks it is an intellectual discipline, but just anybody who's in a hospital bed will quickly learn what it is. But I remember being at an event which was the the Dean of Business was leaving and he was a, a lawyer, MBA, colorectal surgeon. And so he was going around the table and it was a bit of a roast. 
and of different people. And he said, well, Trish, she's smart and kind. And I thought, that's what encapsulates nursing for me. And also, you know, I really am trying to take those values forward in my role as Vice-Chancellor. And I think that's what I learned at Wollongong, that you can have high standards, but still be kind and generous. And I think I learned a lot of that at Wollongong, and it's taken me through a career that is now into its fourth decade. Fifth decade, that's scary. You've both had these amazing careers and you've both ended up back in Wollongong, sort of where it all began. And most, almost everyone that I've interviewed for this podcast has pretty much had a career that's taken them all around the world and they've still ended up back here. John, you mentioned earlier that you probably wouldn't have gone to uni if it wasn't for Trish. How has that decision shaped you and your career? Being able to talk about ideas and concepts and debate and talk about the challenging assignments and there were lots of other people that we met that became very good friends that are still very good friends now but we used to have intellectual discussions it was this was before the duck pond Um, (laughs) but I remember that um, you know some of the people that we met in psychology one some of those people that I met then have became very good friends and they were always very interesting and interested and had a lot to say about a lot of things, including the university work. But you were just exposed to a whole lot of other experiences that you wouldn't have had as a student nurse in the in the um, general nursing course at Wollongong Hospital. So it was kind of like a very enriching, very stimulating, very fascinating experience. And as Trish said, we had phenomenal teachers, they were tough, the standards were high. It was before the era of mass higher education and some of the subjects were notoriously difficult. Personality theory and psychology had an egregious failure rate (laughs) and a scary lecturer. And these characters were well known and they, they demanded the best of you. The standards were high. So... And then, of course, there was all of the gossip in the coffee shops and there used to be a wonderful bistro where we would go and have lunch or dinner or whatever. So it was, it was an amazing, an amazing time. I think you grow up together. Like in life, you align with people with similar values and aspirations. So, you know, I think... You know, we probably always would have been good friends from nursing school, but I think it really solidified our commitment to a more broader vision of health that is not just biomedical. And at the time, that was not a common view. You know, I always talk about the hospital on the hill. You know, every country town you go into, there's a hospital on the hill and the notion that people come to you. I think what our time at Wollongong really taught us about the importance of the intersection of social and health issues, the importance of social justice. And I think, you know, channeling our backgrounds, you know, I think there's probably more similarities, you know, uh, you know, Irish Catholic backgrounds, not not that that's my background, but I went to a school, Catholic school in Canberra, and it was 
very, and I look back and it was, you know, many of the nuns were actually quite radical with a big social justice agenda. So I think that's probably where we had a united vision. It sounds like it was that shared passion that you both had and both going through the same experience, juggling uni and nursing, that sort of solidified your friendship. You know, I think a lot of it comes to common interests of liking music. John's actually a very good classical musician. I've never had the patience. Liking good food and wine, liking a laugh and a giggle and liking being with people. And I think you get a sense for that. And we still have friends from nursing school who we, we still see. And look, in those days you would do outrageous things, hide in cupboards. Can you believe it? But, you know, that's just what you did in that kind of prankster boarding school kind of environment. And also in those days I think there was a lot of tragedy around us for a young person with very little support because it was a bit of... You know, grin and bear it. Okay, your patient died. Get the bed ready for the next person. Whereas these days there's a lot more support. And in a way, that's why the really the tough survived <laughs> because, and wrongly, you know, emotion was seen as a sign of weakness. And um, But, yeah. And, look, disco dancing in Wollongong in the 70s, that's where it was all at, wasn't it? <laughs> Well, I think uh, reflecting on the question, we were competitive and um, probably a little bit unusual and we wanted to do more. We didn't want to have mundane careers. We wanted to be the best that we could be and we wanted to change things. We weren't ones just kind of sit back. Um, we created opportunities. And so I've always been stimulated by the company of people with those kind of character traits. So Trish and I stayed connected. We both did intensive care nursing. We were pushing on with our BA and then we finished that and I quickly went on and did a master's honours in education here. So by, by 87, I had two bachelor degrees and by 89, nine years out of graduating as a nurse, I had a master's honours and then I had a PhD in 94. So I was one of the youngest. So I didn't get married and have children. Trish did. But uh, she caught up very quickly and it didn't take her too long to actually move ahead. But I always expected that to happen and was thrilled for her. So, And she did a very rigorous PhD in the medical faculty at Newcastle and she's an amazing researcher. Going from nursing school through, you know, the radical 70s into uni and then growing into such strong leadership roles, how has your relationship changed with each other? Well, I think it's just become stronger. You know, we've been there for some really tough times in each other's lives. Um, John's partner, Neil, was a very good friend to me and really very inspirational to our relationship. And similarly, my husband Michael and John are very good friends and our children. So I just think it just becomes deeper. And in fact, some of the sadness and tragedies that we all face makes the relationship stronger. Trish is really like um, a big sister to me. We're kind of more like family. You know, she's always looked out for me. 
and given me sometimes unsolicited counselling sessions if she, if she thought that I would benefit from discussion of certain um, things that I was doing in life or whatever. She's always been a very great source of advice and inspiration, great confidant, um, always made me feel like I could do things even when I doubted my ability to do them. So uh, it's been a very synergistic relationship, but, but really she's, she is like a big sister to me. And likewise, John, you know, who did I trust to babysit my daughter very first time I went out? You know, there's, there's just, um, yeah, it's just people. And we've got a whole now big circle and one of the other amazing things about getting to our stage of career is looking back and just seeing all of our students doing phenomenally well. You both ended up at university in sort of non-traditional ways. Trish, you'd already tried uni in Canberra, left uni to become a nurse only to end up going back to uni. And John, you were so set on becoming a nurse before Trish took you off to UAW. Do you have a particular highlight? And what advice do you have for students who are thinking about their options, considering nursing or thinking about coming to Wollongong for university? I think it's kind of the university's made me who I am. At a time in my life it was transformative and it sent me on a different direction and made me t- think about things. You know, I just remember working in cardiology at Wollongong Hospital in the 70s. If I'd said to a cardiologist, you know, depression is a risk factor for a heart attack, they would look at me and like I was, you know, knew nothing. But doing that psychology degree, doing sociology made, made me such a better nurse and that's why I'm such a proponent of nursing being in the universities because nurses are not just technicians. It's putting it all together and also caring for the person is really important. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Wollongong is such an exquisitely beautiful place and, yeah, there's just lots of great things and also many, many friends to come back to. It's the people. It's always the people. Someone said to me the other day, you know, actually – what do I miss about being in the US? And I think the people. And equally, when I was in the US, people said, what do you miss about Australia? I said, the people. So it's the people who who um, who build you up when you need it and sustain you that are really important in life. It just opened up a whole lot of other windows of opportunity. And I think also to... You learn to exercise your imagination in ways which you may not have if you hadn't had that experience. So I never kind of looked back. That's a wrap for season one of We Are UOW, a podcast by the University of Wollongong. This series was produced by myself, Lizzie Jack and Grace Golash with music from Blue Dot Sessions and Epidemic Sound. Thank you so much to Professor Patricia Davidson and Professor John Daly for reminiscing on their 40-year friendship with us. Thanks again to everyone who was involved in this series, Pauline, Melissa and Madeline Lysart, Nick and Nathan, Mick and Jamie, Balin and Adam, 
Baron and Michael, Dean, Tom, Jared, Clayton and Emily, Grant and Ash, Jennifer and Trish and John. If you liked this episode, there is plenty more amazing stories of UOW connections available. So make sure you follow and subscribe to We Are UOW wherever you get your podcasts or head to the UOW website to read even more stories about UOW connections. We love to hear about the connections made or fostered at the University of Wollongong. So if you have a story worth sharing, make sure you email us at weareuow at uow.edu.au or share online with the hashtag weareuow. Thanks for listening.